Where is that going? Yes. Either I've upped the um, standards around here or lowered them. I'm not sure. I'm a math teacher, and I'm using all English today. So, no. The title of my message is With which, if you noticed, was one of the words as a preposition. And this comes from a book um, that I've read recently, and the title is With, Reimagining the Way You Relate to God. And in talking to Cole, I really, this book really spoke to me, and it, it is so close to what we do. And you'll see as we go through this message, I'm going to be referencing several of what Cole's messages have been in the past and how they all just kind of blend into this. And so it is actually thinking about life with God. What we're going to do is we're going to change those prepositions. We're in the middle. And we're going to talk about four, I'm going to talk briefly about four other positions of how we have a life and God. Okay? And it begins before we get to that part, to remembering that we live in a broken world. And because of what happened in Eden, we, um, we have established paths of religions that diverge, splinter, multiply, and terminate in different places. And every path that we, that we go as trying to interact with God um, is an attempt to overcome the suffering, fear, and death that we now know because of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. So there's four positions. The first one is life under God. And you can think about that as, am I a sinner? You're a despicable being living under the constant threat of God's wrath and punishment. You must appease his will through strict obedience to moral and ritual commands. So the preposition there is under. Okay, And so you can go back to and think about the Israelites and Exodus and the Ten Commandments and that list of requirements um, to obey. And it was referred to as a yoke. And actually, if you remember, cold. Let's see, I've been going for two and a half years and I can... Cold talked about the yoke, and Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So even though there is that idea of life under God, 
Jesus can change that. Jesus revealed that the bankruptcy of life under God posture, it does not deliver us from fear. It cannot reconnect us with God. And in most cases, it only burdens people under the weight of guilt, fear, and empty religiosity. Matthew 15, 8 says this, These people come, 15, 8, 9, These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. He's talking about the Pharisees there. The time that Jesus came, they were so the, what were considered the religious elite. It was all about the rules, and they always wanted to try to trick Jesus in those rules and the things that were there. The next one, instead of being under God, it's life over God. And in this idea, I'm the manager. I'm in control. I'm an autonomous, autonomous being who's been given a divine manual for operating my life and world, and whose fate will ultimately rest upon how well I implement God's principles and instructions. And what happens with this is that humanity is living without God and free from the fearful superstition of religion. In some ways, it becomes part of the secular world. The secular humanism has no record of removing fear, fostering peace, or leading to a more just world. But that's where, we, that's where people go. And, and those ideas are kind of like being atheism. We, you know, don't believe. But, but the other way to think about it is um, deism. I believe there's a God. I know God exists. Um, he created the universe. But it, he believes he is, you know, we believe now that it's, he is distant and relatively uninvolved in the matters of ordinary life. You don't see God. You don't understand. Touch God. And so God, is, God simply has no bearing on one's daily existence. This is that life over God. And, and some churches in some places, I don't know if you've heard this acronym, they say that the Bible stands for basics and instructions before leaving earth. Or it's an owner's manual for a human being. You just have to search for the correct principles that we may employ to control our world and our life. And uh, the religious elite from Jesus' time were all about applying principles, but they could not recognize Jesus. The pro- one of the problems with life over God, though, is that it, it fails to alleviate our fears by stating um, that we will ultimately be responsible for every outcome in our lives. Living by Christian principles cannot deliver us from cycles of fear and control. Yes? Oh, moving back and forth. Sure. Oh, okay. Okay, let's see if we... How's that? <clears throat> Thank you, Dan. 
so the so the next one's pretty easy for most of us to to connect with or see that one of those areas is and that's life from God. Am I a consumer, a discontent being, compromised of unmet desires and longings, whose demands all things, people, and even God to orbit around me and fulfill my expectations? None of us are like that, right? One of the things is that in each of these positions, we've all found ourselves in these kind of positions. Life under God. We want the rules. We want to be there. Life over God. We want to just be in control sometimes. Here, we want God to give us things. We ask for it. Um, the most extreme thing about in this area is, and I'm sure all you've heard of the prosperity gospel, ask anything that you'll get and it will be given to you. You just have to, to ask. But don't ask us to, <laughs> to change. I mean, what we desire, what the world is, um, or what we seek or what we do, or how we live. We don't want to be disrupted with those things. Right? Just give me everything I want. It doesn't work that way, though. So, even back in the New Testament, Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 20, this is um, a message here. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you on this day. Otherwise, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty, waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. You may say to yourself, my power and my and strength of my hands have reduced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so conform, confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord, your God, and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so will you be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. And this goes back to the promise to Abraham and remembering that Jesus fulfilled that promise in Abraham. And so in this idea, when we look at God, we may see a reflection reflection of our consumer selves, a divine vending machine to dispense our desires. But God looks at us. He sees his child created in his image who is holy and dearly loved. And if you remember, Cole talked about being created in our image, his image, and that our identity comes from him. I'm not going to talk too much about the last one, but it's pretty simple. Instead of doing life from God, it's life for God. And this is a, there's a fine line for this, but it's, am I a servant, a worker created to fill a, fulfill a great mission whose sense of value is linked to what I am able to accomplish and the magnitude of my impact on the world? And, and simply put, what happens is 
the mission, making God's mission into an idol. Being so wrapped up in what you're doing that you forget that you're supposed to be doing it with God. So how do these postures reveal themselves within our social media these days? So just about a week ago, I saw, saw this posted. So I just want you to listen to this. This is from a, um, from a group on Facebook that I saw someone share that was Stop Playing Church was the name of the group. But this is what they said on, on Facebook. Liberal Christians are some of the most annoying and skewed people. They are full of half-truths. They cherry-pick all the love verses in the Bible and refuse to talk about repentance and sin. They label true Christians as legalistic. Liberal Christians live half in the world and um, half in the word and half in the world. Their faith is questionable. A diluted gospel is no gospel at all. Pray for the liberal progressive Christians out there. They need their worldly blinders removed. So if you if you hear that. There's one group that's the life from God and then a life over God or whatever. And it's, it's one group um, pointing a finger at and telling another group that they're not being Christian the right way. And it may be that they're both doing it wrong. And so let's talk about the, not those four, but the idea of life with God. Because we have to, as we move out into the world, it's about being with God, not doing any of those other things. Excuse me. So, J.R.R. Tolkien, in his books, The Lord of the Rings, he introduced a new concept, and it's what's called a you catastrophe instead of a catastrophe, putting the EU in front of it. And what that means is that it's instead of something bad happening, it's an un, unexpected appearance of goodness. We always expect and think about catastrophes, but the, re, but the reality is, is that, and if you truly study and look through what Tolkien has written in The Lord of the Rings, there's so much. He was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, if you didn't know that. Those two were like best of friends, and they studied Christianity a lot together. And so there's a lot of Christianity based in that. And so J.R.R. Tolkien and that appearing of goodness is about good things happening, sudden change that is for the good, One of the things about life with God is that relationship is at at its core. It is God the Father with God the Son, with God the Holy Spirit. It is that trinity. And it can't exist apart. And what we need to do is ex-Christians... I shouldn't say we need to. 
I should say that in living with God, we become part of that relationship. God comes to us. We go to them and we share. And we get relationships. And I know and gather that as we interact on a daily, weekly basis, and on Thursday nights, and on Monday afternoons, and um, Wednesday nights, and everything that we do and interact with our community, it is about the relationships. I know, as a teacher at Centralia High School, and as a math teacher, I'm not going to get across to, to the kids, but with a relationship and a connection to those kids that makes it that much easier. Because there are days when they truly, life is interfering with their ability to learn. And sometimes I have to connect in different ways. Um, uh, to have a kid, and this happened recently, be just completely upset with me because of not accepting the way he did problem because I wanted him to learn something different. And then when I finally had to sit down and able to sit down and talk to him in a calm and with him, he shared that he, he's moved to this area and he gets up every day. He hates, just in his core, hates going to school here right now. He's from Mississippi. He wants to go back. But just in his life and where he's at and what he has to do, he's here. And so it's the relationship I was able to establish with him that helps in, in helping him. And that's what we do every day when we help and interact with people. And the goal is God. Right? God is love. And it's Christ. He is the treasure. And we need to remember, and Cole talked about this when he talked about the cross, and he said to be square with the cross. Our life with God is about being square with the cross, square with Jesus. So let's go back to the reading. I looked at it. I was really wanted the end of the First Corinthians 13. And I know with all the marriages, we kind of, we're going to hear that. You know, we've heard it recently. We'll probably hear it a couple more times this summer just because of weddings happening around here. Um, but it talks about at the end, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Okay? And so in living with God, we have faith with God. We have hope with God. We have love with God. Faith is about a cycle of surrender. And if we have faith, we have safety. An example from the book that was shared was Martin Luther King Jr. He, he was attacked and the, the rocks were thrown at his houses for what he was trying to, trying to do in the early beginnings of his, of his path. But he had a voice from Jesus, and that voice told him to stand firm. And in that moment, Martin Luther King Jr. knew that he 
his fear to stand up for righteousness disappeared because God was with him. And the faith that he had in God, he knew that he could go and trust the path he was on. And that faith is shown in different areas. Paul writes, and this is it happens, it works, but it's, it's my verse and I understand it. Um, and that's a different story for a different time. I've uh, shared it before. It's Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Martin Luther King Jr. could stand up for his righteousness because he knew that he, he, even in his death, that he would gain. And um, Steve shared with us uh, about Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer had basically a very similar quote in saying at the end, when he was just going to be executed, he said, this is the end for me, the beginning of life. And then we have that faith and we understand in um, Jesus said in John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. God has us. He's there for us. He's with us. Life with God is heaven. That's awesome. I, so I can't. So, and since God is with us, we have the faith, but he also provides hope in the midst, amid the chaos of the world that was created with the fall in Eden. And as we go through this, as we trust, um, I love two two weeks ago, Steve's message about the story of my name. And he shared his testimony. And that was just, it was a great story to listen to. And what, in this process of faith and in hope, we need to go out and you need to, in that process, write the story of your name. We can't sit still to do that. We have to be with God and embrace the world as it is. And then we can write our story. And we, we need, you can trust in the identity. God gave us that identity, that image when we were born, before we were born. He, he's known that. And so that trust should be there. And then we know that love, love is the beginning and the end, the origin and culmination of our relationship with God. And in that verse, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the last part of it says, but the greatest of these is love. But why? Why why is love greater than faith and hope? So, in Revelation um, 21.3, says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Now the dwelling of God is with me, with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Cole talked about that, kingdom of heaven. The dwelling place is coming. But where is that dwelling place right now? Where, where, where is it? We just finished after a year, maybe a year and a month, Exodus. And at the end of Exodus 40, 38, it says, So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all of the house of Israel during all their travels. In Exodus, at that time, the Israelites, the only way that they, could, that they saw the presence of God as they were in their travels and wandering through the wilderness was to see the pillar of clouds during the day or the fire by night. And we talked about this on Thursday night. Instead of needing the Spirit of God to be over the tabernacle, with Pentecost, Jesus left the Holy Spirit that now dwells in us. That's why it's life with God. And as we move through the story, we know the beginning, we know the end. The life with God in the middle is that writing of your story. And when we get to the end and the kingdom of heaven is here, is your faith and your hope necessary? No, because God is love and God has God finally fulfilled what he needs. So that's why God is the greatest, or love is the greatest, God is the greatest, because we will no longer need our faith and hope. God's with us. God is love. That's all that's necessary at the end. So faith is the courage to release the trapeze, trusting that the catcher will rescue us, catcher being God. Think of a trapeze. Hope is the peace and assurance we experience as we soar untethered through the air, knowing the catcher will not let us fall. When he finally catches us, that's when he's here. So, in this whole thing, I ask that you I missed my notes. Okay. Going back to English. Well, I have to because I love it. Well, it's math and English. Cole, Cole talked about a reciprocal pronoun. He talked had a sermon on that. And each other was or one another. So it's so simple to see of those five things we talked about, those five prepositions. If you put them with each other, I said with. That's funny. If you put them, yes, however. So if you, if you talk under each other, that doesn't talk about relationship, does it? It doesn't talk about being together when you say under each other or under one another. Or to say over each other or from each other. Bless you. I recognize that sneeze. It was my daughter. Okay. Um, sorry about that. Um, 
so from each other. Well, that doesn't sound like a two-way two-way street. One of the things that Cole said with each other is that it's a two-way process. You can't have just one person with that. And the same thing for each other. It just doesn't work. There's a little bit there, but it's not everything. But when you say with each other and you put anything in front of that, praying with each other, serving each other with each other, it just it, it makes so much more sense and it fits. The with fits with each other. So, almost like coal. I could go on for more if you want. No. But I do want to, I want to share a story of a, a young gentleman whose last name is Ali, but it's not Muhammad. His name is Liban, Ali. And he is, has a, attended Centre High School for the last four years. And last night, we had graduation at Centre High School. And our principal, Josh, Joshua Lowe, shared his story. And I've knew some of his story, but I want to share it with you because it, it, to me it fits this whole process. So Laban is from... Somalia. At the age of nine, to avoid all of the unrest and the things that were happening in Somalia at that time, he left Somalia. And he crossed the Sahara Desert as a nine-year-old and made it to Libya, made it through there, and finally wound up at Sundry High School. He, and I know that he is a Christian now, because he attended the baccalaureate, our worship service for graduates on Wednesday night that I was there, and he was part of the planning. But at the time he crossed that Sahara Desert, his perseverance, it, it was almost like the Israelites and, and being in the desert. But here's what he told himself over and over and over again as he was going through the desert. I will graduate from high school, and I will go to college. And he used that as his guidance, like his pillar of smoke and fire to get through that desert. And, sorry. He's just a wonderful young man. He smiles, big smile all the time. And through that, you have to think about the fact that he was a nine-year-old. He is successfully in high school, passed all of the language tests required of him and passed the math tests and become a graduate of Cinderella High School. This last year as a senior, he was voted as part of the ASB 
um, leadership by his peers because of who he is. And if it's not impactful, for me it was almost all would be our ASB officers would read um, announcements and lead us as part of the school is the Pledge of Allegiance. And to think of a young man, a nine-year-old that left Somalia, then getting on the intercom and leading the whole school and the Pledge of Allegiance, it's so impactful on who he is and what he's done. And he has definitely figured out how to live life with God and to be impactful. And he will be going to Centralia College starting next year. So that mantra that he had through the desert that he will graduate from high school and go to college is now coming true. So let us let us let us pray. Uh, dear Lord, you are with us. You are here. Your spirit has been in all of us. Let us just move throughout this world. And instead of seeing God in pillar and fire, let people truly see us as God, that that spirit is within us as we share it with everybody that we come into contact. In your name, amen. We have a closing, closing song.